pray together. Lord, thank you that death has lost its sting. That great enemy which mankind has feared for so long has been conquered because you, Lord Jesus, rose again. Lord, thank you that we can look forward to that day when you will either come again or when we will die and be with you. And Lord, thank you that we know that there is hope there. That we can fix our eyes on Jesus Christ and you will take us by that hand and take us to be with you. Thank you for that hope. And Lord, as we open your word now, I pray that your spirit would turn words into truth in our hearts. Make our hearts soft before you. And be glorified. Amen. I'd ask you to turn with me um, to the book of Acts. Um, so no, no, we're not in Luke. We're in Acts. So second book of Luke anyway. Acts chapter 2. And I want to read through chapter 2 with you. And um, this is the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ as it was portrayed straight after Jesus had risen and then gone to be with his Father. This is what it looked like in that early situation. Acts chapter 2, verses 20, uh, sorry, the whole chapter. And then we'll, we'll look specifically this morning at verses 22 to 24. When the day of Pentecost arrived, the disciples were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And, and how is it that we hear each one of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own language the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocked, saying, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions 
And your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants in those days. I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. For the sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would not set one of his descendants on the throne, that that he would set one of his descendants on the throne rather, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up. And of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now then, they heard this. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. What a story! 
What a story. And that story continues till today. That story has come into this church here this morning. The story of the effects of the resurrected Christ on you and I. When I used to be a teacher in a previous life, and I use that carefully, I used to teach geography, and one of the things I taught was the tropical cyclone and what happens. And I, I taught my students the tropical cyclone dance. Now, I will, I will spare you that. But it was a way of just getting into their heads physically as they did this dance of the various phases of the build-up of a tropical cyclone. And all of them passed that section, I'm glad to say. And they didn't dance around the exam hall, no. In a tropical cyclone, you've got various phases that come in. I'm not going to go through all of it now. But you've got little breezes that build up. And now we've got our fancy radar and everything. We can see it coming. But before they had that, they would see that these breezes would start building up. And then the wind would come in little spurts. And, and then we might have a bit of rain. And then it would go away. And this would build up in intensity into sudden gusts of wind and rain and hard rain and damage would be done and then there'd be a period of calm and then the storm would come again with more fury until the full fury of the storm was on people. And that's where the great damage was done. And then there was a period of calm, we call it, when the eye passes over. And it's intense calm, hardly a breath stirs. The sun might even come out. And then the full fury of the storm suddenly comes down on people. And this time, the wind comes from the opposite direction. And what hasn't been destroyed in the first half of the storm is taken down in the second half. And then slowly, it will die away. Well, that's the tropical cyclone. How does, what does that have to do with this morning? Well, you see, in the build-up to Jesus Christ coming to earth, it's very much like that tropical cyclone. There were prophets that appeared on earth. And they spoke to people about this coming one, the Messiah who would come. God put his people on earth, the Jews, as an illustration there for all mankind of what God would one day do through one of them, the Messiah. And people saw the tribe of Israel living in front of them. And some took notice, some didn't. And the tribe of Israel, as God's illustration before Jesus came, came and went as that illustration. And then on a certain day, the Lord Jesus Christ was born as the Messiah. And they didn't recognize him. They saw this little baby in a manger. And this little baby grew up in front of people. And he said things which really got the gusts of the wind going. And the religious leaders didn't agree with what he said. And they came out against him and tried to stir up the people. And when Jesus reached his full ministry period on earth, he said some things there that rocked society. Those gusts of wind were going. The rain was coming down on the people, but they wouldn't listen. Some were saved, but the majority wouldn't listen. And then it built up to such an extent that the people hated Jesus and they wanted to kill him. And they reached that day when, and you know the story, we've been going through it in these last few days, when he was taken before Pilate and Herod. And in the end, They did what they could only think of as the most cruel way to get rid of this man. They crucified him on a Roman cross. And they thought, that's it. We've done it. 
He's gone. The people thought so. The religious leaders thought so. And even the governing authorities, the Romans, thought so. But then something happened. They started to hear rumors. He's alive again. What? Those Roman guards came in and said, you're not going to believe this. This this angel appeared. We were petrified. We couldn't do anything. And this angel came and he rolled the stone away. And the Messiah came out. And the authorities said to them, you'd better not speak too loudly about this. We'll pay you. You tell them this story, right? They were trying to curb the damage that was going to be done by this story. They thought they had conquered this one. But now these rumors were starting. They thought it was all under control. But they realized soon it was going to be out of their control. Because what happened? We read about that. As soon as this message came out, as soon as the disciples started speaking, that they'd seen the Messiah, that he'd been raised again, the tropical cyclone of the good news of the gospel started spreading into the world. Bang! There it went. And the Roman authorities tried to get on top of this. They tried to steam it down and quiet it down. But what happened? The more they pushed onto these Christians, the more the story spread out. The Christians spread out into the whole Roman world taking this message with them. And not just the Roman world, into parts of the world that the Romans hadn't even been into. Into Africa and into the furthest regions of Asia. And the gospel message went with them. And it's still going out into the world. You listen to any of our missionaries who come and speak to us. The gospel message is still going out into the world. It's coming to Wanganui. You might have heard the gospel message in this town through someone. You might be hearing it today for the first time. The message is going out. The cyclone is still having its effect. No one can stop the message of the gospel anymore. And it's going to build up until Jesus Christ comes again. And it's going to find its fulfillment in Him. There is hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you part of that story? Are you part of it? And if you're not part of that story, I plead with you today, listen and be saved. There is still time to be saved. You see what happens here? The gospel comes in. The Holy Spirit descends on the disciples and He gives them power to speak. They speak in all these many different languages and people hear the gospel and 3,000 are added to the church that day. I pray for that day. It will be a logistical issue here. But I pray for that day. Lord, save those who are to be saved. Look at the way the Holy Spirit changes Peter. Peter's changed from a humble fisherman, one who stuttered over himself, one who could only get angry when people didn't agree with him, right? He was known as a short-tempered guy. God changes him to be a powerful preacher of the gospel. And there he stands up that day and he preaches this powerful sermon and we see these three verses which he speaks to these people. And 3,000 are converted, not through Peter, but through Peter being used by the Spirit to speak the gospel. Like he uses us today. There is power in the resurrection message. And so do you see how God turns man's anger to good? They thought they'd killed the Messiah. They thought they'd put an end to him and they did in anger. But God knew there's a different thing happening here. He knew mankind had to be saved. 
And so he takes man's anger and he changes it into everlasting good. That's our God. That's the great God that we serve today. And so we look at verse 22, this message that Peter brings to these people. And we're looking at the core of that sermon. I'm taking that out this morning. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. And I'm sure they would have cringed at those words. But, and then he gives them hope, God raised them up, loosing the pangs of death. Because it was not possible for Jesus to be held by death. See, God sends Jesus to a rebellious world. From the first sins of mankind. And now we're back in Genesis, alright? You'd have to track with me a bit today. From the first sin of mankind through Adam, mankind has been in a state of rebellion. This is a simple gospel message I'm proclaiming to you this morning. From that time when Adam and Eve didn't listen to the Lord, they thought they could do what they thought was good in their eyes. They brought sin into the world when they turned against God. And it's been with all mankind ever since. And if you're part of the human race, I'm afraid to say, you are part of that curse. You were born into sin because of what Adam and Eve did. And so man is in a state of sin before God. And so that is why it doesn't help us doing good things if we don't know the Lord. It's not going to get us into heaven. Our hearts are wrong with the Lord. There's a bigger issue here. Our hearts need to be set right with God again. Otherwise, we cannot have a relationship with Him. And so, right there at that point, God had His plan for mankind. There was the one who would crush the serpent's head, as prophesied back there in Genesis. There was a way back to God, and God was going to send himself to this earth. Do you get that? He was going to send Jesus Christ, yes. But who was Jesus Christ? He was the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, made into human form. He was God himself sent to earth to make a way back to God. Do you get that? It's big news here. He was going to come and proclaim the message of freedom. But he was not going to come and proclaim the message of freedom only. He was going to make it possible as well by dying and making it possible for mankind. And during his ministry on earth, says Peter, God constantly verified that this Jesus was the Messiah. And how did God verify that? Well, remember that moment when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan? What happened? When he rose up, they heard this booming voice and this form like a dove descended onto Jesus' head. And what did the voice say? This is my Son in whom I am well pleased, right? God verifying who his Son was in front of everyone. That's the first thing. And then Jesus started his ministry. And what happened? He started curing people from diseases. He started raising people from the dead. Now, if that's not something to take note of, I don't know what is. He started making the lame to walk. He started clearing leprosy from people right in front of people's eyes. God was verifying 
through these miracles and signs and wonders. This is my son. Listen to him. Listen to his message. But, even though people saw and they experienced these miracles and they heard his message, what did they do? In the majority, they turned their backs. They rejected Jesus Christ. They wouldn't hear. They were along for the show. That's it. So what does Peter say, verse 23? And so the world killed him. They didn't know what else to do with him, so the world killed him. It's always worked in the past. If you don't like someone, get rid of him. Then the message stops. They did that to the prophets in the Old Testament. The nation didn't like what they heard from the prophets, so they put them to death. And there the message stopped. But another prophet came up, said the same message. So what did they do? They put him to death. And what happened? Another prophet was raised and they put him to death. See, mankind's always thought that's the way to solve things. Put them to death. And so they tried the same with this Messiah. However, God was in control, says Peter, and he knew what mankind's reaction was. Why? Because God created mankind and God knew what he had in store for mankind. He had his predetermined plan and that plan is spoken of way back before this Messiah was even on the earth. I read you that, I told you about that message about the one who would crush the serpent's head. Well, there was one of the first prophecies. Isaiah chapter 53 is one of the most clear prophecies we have in Scripture. Isaiah chapter 53 verses 1 to 6. This is what it said. Hundreds of years before the Messiah. Who has believed what they heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant. And like a root out of dry ground, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes are we healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That was hundreds of years ago before this happened. God had his plan for mankind. And man thought... We've stopped him. But verse 24 came along, and in that verse 24 we put our hope, right? But God raised him up. Man thought they'd solved the problem, that he was out of the way, that they could now get on with life again, right? Wrong. Wrong. God did the impossible. God broke the molds of what is normal. Instead of a dead man remaining dead, God raised him up again. He broke the hold death has over mankind and had held over mankind for so long. And why was it impossible for death to hold on to Jesus Christ? Why? Be reminded of this. Why was it not possible for him to remain dead in that grave? Because he was 100% man, right? But what was he also? 100% God. He was 100% man, And 100% God. Now, my little brain boggles at that idea. Some of you might understand that. He was both at the same time. And that's why death couldn't hold on to him. 
death put him into the grave, right? For three days he was there. But then the God in him raised up. Death could not hold him down. And that is why we have hope. Death has been conquered. And then the cyclone of God's good news started coming out of that grave. When Jesus rose up out of that grave and he started meeting his disciples and there were many, many witnesses that saw him after that, the hope for all mankind was unleashed. Because these people couldn't keep quiet. Who's going to keep quiet? When someone was dead, now you've seen him alive, you're going to go, all right, yep, yep, carry on. X to X4, get my computer out. No, it can't work like that. We can't, we can't help but tell others when we've seen something exciting, right? Well, what do you think those disciples did? They'd seen the most amazing, mind-blowing thing. Here was Jesus, breaking bread with them, eating fish with them again on the shores of Galilee. What were they going to do? Of course they were going to tell someone. On the road to Emmaus, those disciples walking, discussing what had happened in God's Word. And then there's this person who walks with them, and he explains it so clearly to them. And afterwards, see, I would have been one of those, they were a bit thick. Afterwards, they realize, but this is the Messiah. He was the one with us. You think they were going to keep quiet? They're going to tell everyone. No more was there just bad news. There was now hope. And that is the hope that Peter was preaching. And that is why 3,000 rebellious people turned to the Lord that day. It was a great sign of God. I was with my son. I gave a sign for his ministry. Now, I am sending you into the world. Here is my sign that will go with you. It will verify your ministry. And so there they went. 3,000 added to that day. And they weren't the only ones. The gospel went out there into the world and it's spreading. And it's still spreading. You see, man's anger against God can be changed to good. And that's the core of the gospel message. By nature, people hate God. By nature, people don't want anything to do with God. You go walk into town today, go into the red church, oh, sorry, the warehouse, alright? You go into the, the warehouse, you go and tell people that Jesus loves you. You're going to get mixed reactions, right? Some are going to want to hear more, but most are going to say, oh, you're a religious nut, get out of here. Yep. People just don't want to hear, or they say, I'm not interested. We've got a message to take out, and it's this. God can change your anger against Him good. But you need to hear. You need to bow the knee. You need to proclaim Jesus Christ is your Lord and I will help you. If you, I want to speak specifically and it's the so what today. I can't get off my pattern. It's really good. I want to speak to you. If you are not a believer here today, if you haven't put your life under the Lordship of Jesus Christ today, I want to put these statements to you. Is death still your greatest fear? Because without the Lord, it will be. That's the one thing people fear the most, they don't know Jesus Christ, is death. Millions are made in this world because of that industry. Fear. And so, if you do not know Jesus Christ, if you do not yet know Him, and if you do not have hope, then death will be your greatest enemy. But the good news this morning is, and there's a picture here to remind you of an empty grave, right? There is life to be found in the resurrected Jesus Christ. There is 
good news. But you need to hold on to it now. You need to take note of it. There is power to be found in Jesus Christ. And this power is infinitely greater than the power of Satan and death. There is great power to be found in Jesus Christ. But you need to bow the knee to Him. You need to ask Him to come into your life and to take over your life and to be Lord and to take away your sin forever. But you need to come. You see, if you don't do it, you will never be saved. You need to bow to Jesus Christ. And so I plead with you today, will you reach out for Him today, this Easter? Will you bring your rebelliousness and your anger and find forgiveness and life in Jesus Christ today? Are you going to have this Easter pass by and another Easter's come and gone and you're still lost in your sin? I plead with you, find life in Jesus Christ. And if you're a believer here today, this Resurrection Day is a fantastic day. You see, we're reminded here that we serve an all-loving God. Are you reminded of that when you see that empty grave? We serve an all-loving God. Once I was lost in sin's degradation. Big words, those old hymns. Beautiful words. I was lost in sin's lostness. But God found me. He pulled me out. He gave me life. And now I'm saved. All because of His great love. Nothing in me was found. He didn't look at me and say, what a good guy, I better save him. No, I was lost. I hated him. I was a rebel. And he saved me because of his love. We serve an all-loving God. And he's given us this great gift of hope. Death can't hold us down anymore. The moment I close my eyes in death is the moment I live on in Jesus Christ. There's hope in Jesus Christ. And he has raised me up. To be with Him. And so the moment, the moment I close my eyes in death, I leave the grave clothes behind me. Think of it. I leave the grave clothes behind me and I live on with Jesus Christ. I follow in His steps. What is there to fear? We serve an all-powerful God. Death won't hold us down. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ again and follow Him as He goes through death into new life. And many of us have done that in our lives. You've put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've been baptized in these waters here. You've told others, I've died with Christ. I've been raised to new life. Now we need to do that in practice. The theory is good. The practice is difficult. We need to follow Him every day. Our kids need to see us living for Jesus Christ. They need to see the love of Jesus Christ coming out of us. Our colleagues need to see Jesus Christ in us. They need to hear the message from our lips. We need to be telling people. This empty tomb is a reminder to us today that we have an unfinished message. You and I have a message. I want you all to turn around and look at that big poster I see every Sunday here. There's your message there's your mission. Are we doing it? We need to be reaching our closest. Our family, our children, our colleagues, our friends. The postie who comes and delivers your mail. The checkout girl or guy. You need to reach them for Jesus Christ. How? Not by stumping a big Bible on the counter before you pay. That's not how we do it. By greeting them civilly. By being friendly. Let them see Jesus in you as you interact with them. 
Next time you go, go intentionally to the same place. Meet with them. Hi, how are you today? Speak to them. Let them get to know you. And then who knows where that goes? But show Jesus Christ. When you go and get your hair done, ladies, use the same people. There's a lot of time to talk there. I've noted through the windows. Talk to the... They want to speak to you. Us men that take quite a short time with me anyway. It's just in out gone. But we still talk as men. It's quite something. You ladies, talk. Talk the gospel. Live the gospel as you go about your everyday business. That's the idea. Live and speak the gospel. Live exemplary lives in the traffic. May you stand out as a believer. And then speak boldly as the Spirit leads you. We need to be aware of how the Spirit is leading us. We need to be asking daily, Lord, how would you use me today? Make it clear to me. And as you go into situations, God will answer that prayer. He'll bring a situation before you and you will know this is of God. Then speak what He has on your heart. Speak. Do you know the message to speak? Where are you going to get your message to speak? In here. Do you know the message to speak? We need to be spending time with you. So that when the occasion comes, we can speak out for Jesus Christ. Why? Because the cyclone of the good news of the kingdom of Jesus Christ is still spreading. And who does he use as that? Not winds. Not big waves. Not big rainstorms. He uses simple individuals like you and me. But millions and millions of us speaking the same message, going across this world, do you see the kingdom being built? And so don't look at the news and listen to the bad news and the statisticians who will say to you, oh no, Christianity is in decline, look at the statistics. You tell them to keep the statistics and to get a wider view. The church might not be growing in the West, but I tell you, it's growing in the East. The church is growing in persecuted countries. It's in the West that we're walking away because life is so easy. It's in the West that it's in decline. It's in Europe where the gospel was once heard from every hilltop. Where on a Sunday morning you could walk and hear people singing hymns of praise to God. Now you won't hear that in Europe. It is dead to the gospel. And yet there are cause of churches in Europe that are starting to spread that news again. I don't know if any of you saw the video clip of the German lady who stood up in that church where Luther once preached and where they were having this combined service and where they asked the imam to um, open up in prayer for them. And she stood up. This little woman, she's not big, about this high. She stood up and in the middle of his prayer, she broke into it and said, Jesus Christ is Lord. How dare you come and pray in this church? He is Lord, not your God. Wow, that got the attention, right? And they hurried her out of the church and she was still speaking really loudly. It's gone out onto the internet. It's gone viral. And people are really encouraged by this. That's in Europe where the gospel was once printed on big, great big printing presses. There's now nothing. There are Muslims in the churches. But in the East, where people are being persecuted, where people are trying to push down the gospel and the message, where they're trying to push down Christians because they see them as part of the infidel West. The message is going out clearly. 
People are standing strong for their faith. People are being persecuted for their faith. If you're in doubt, speak to me. I'll give you some video material to look at. And you can hear firsthand from Christians that are being interviewed there what is happening. The church of Jesus Christ is growing day by day. That is the big picture. That is the big picture. And we are part of it. But we are only part of it if we are opening our mouths. And if you're not part of the silent meaning. The tomb is empty. It's evidence that Jesus' kingdom is progressing and that the gates of hell will not prevail until Jesus comes again. And then it's all over for them anyway. Because he will reign for all eternity. Are you ready for that day? Are you working for that day, believers? Let's pray. Lord, we give you praise for that empty tomb. We give you praise for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who has made this all possible. Lord, you've left us on this earth. You've given us a message. You've made us messengers. You've given us your Spirit. And you've said, go and tell the world. Help us to be faithful to you. Help us to not fear people more than we fear the living God because we love them. Lord, give us a message to speak. Give us the opportunities to speak. And as we do, people will be brought to you. And we will give you praise. And one day, when you reappear, Lord Jesus Christ, we will stand with that great throng of angels and those who are saved by grace. And we will give you praise. We will arise and be with you for all eternity. Thank you for making this all possible through your Son. Amen.